The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, the psalmist says, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Speaking of being out without water in a dry land. <laughs> well, in the beginning of each new year as Christians, we are often reminded that we need to pray more. And I hope that most of you who have made resolutions made new goals for the new year, that part of that in, entails being more committed to the Lord in prayer. Folks, if there's anything our ch the church needs right now, if there's anything the, our country needs right now, yeah, if there's anything our world needs right now, it is a praying church. How many believe there's power in prayer? But let's be honest this morning. How many find it a bit dis uh, difficult to be disciplined in your prayer life? I've got my hand up. Anybody? Okay, you guys are more spiritual than me. Great. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to your discipleship class, right? You can help me out. Prayer can be very, very difficult. And in the 63rd Psalm, here's what the superscription tells us. It tells us that David, the psalmist, King David, is in the wilderness of Judah. Now, he is in quite literally a desert, Amen. And he was driven there because his son Absalom has betrayed him. He's tired. His flesh is failing. He is thirsty. But he's desperate for something much more than food and water. He says, oh, Lord, my flesh faints for you. What I want, the only one who can satisfy my heart is your presence, oh, God. He's desperate for the Lord. And so here's what we see. This is a beautiful psalm that we see in Psalm 63, it's in both seasons of fainting, like we're experiencing right now, and season of feasting, you and I need to seek the Lord. We need to be people of prayer. Amen? Metaphorically right now, we could say that we are in a desert season. Have you noticed? It would be easy to faint, would it not? It would be easy to be overcome with fear and anxiety. But you know, Here's some silver lining in all that's happening around us. 
You take the, the pandemic, you take the political garbage that's going on right now, everything else, the economy, and there's some silver lining. You know what's happening? Our idols are being destroyed one by one. And you know what we're being reminded of? And this is a good thing. You know, these worldly things were never meant to satisfy our hearts. But we've given our allegiance to them for so long. Sports, now you can't go to a basketball game very easily, can you? I'm wearing my UK bow tie today. We, we've idolized, uh, just as an illustrated sermon, we've idolized uh, UK basketball around here. Have we not? I'm a huge fan. But UK basketball, whether it's a John Wall season or this season, <laughs> it will not satisfy your heart. Come on, somebody. It's not meant to. It's meant to be enjoyed, but not worshipped. Money is a false security. We've been so rich. We're, if you don't know, we're, most of us in here, all of us in here actually, are in the world's top 2% richest people, I believe it is the statistic. We're rich comparatively, right? You may not feel it, but you're rich compared to the rest of the world. But our economy is being shaken, amen? And we're realizing that this is a false sense of security that money has given us. And yet we've spent so much of our lives chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. And so the silver lining is this, that we're, we get to be reminded right now that those other created glories are false gods and that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the only one who will satisfy our hearts. And when you know that Christ is the one who will satisfy your heart, this then, friends, is what will fuel your prayer life. It's the foundation in which our prayer lives are built upon. So as we look into Psalm 63 a little bit deeper, my hope is this, that our affections would be raised for Jesus Christ. And that we will learn to savor him in every season of life. And in doing this, I hope we will build a bit of consistency in our prayer lives. Because if you long for him, you will pray through him. Amen? To the Father. So let's look at David's foundation, if you're taking notes. David's foundation. What is it that grounds David in this tough season of his life? Listen, it is his personal covenantal relationship with God Almighty. David has more than a cognitive understanding of who God is. He knows the Lord. Look at verse 1. I love this just verbiage here. Oh, God, you are what? My God. Yes, he's a God of our people. He's, he's the God of the church, right? He's a God of the world. But he's also, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is what? Your God. He's a personal God. You know, church is a bit bizarre right now, isn't it? It's a bit bizarre to look out and see your mask. Your, your, I can't tell if you're smiling or frowning or sleeping. Some of y'all are, are taking advantage of the, you know, the mask and stuff, kind of hiding. and To not be able to come up when you walk in and hug necks and high five and shake hands and do all the things and to have close deep conversations and it, it's just bizarre because church is not supposed to, to be just something that we come and do and like you know watch a performance and go home it's supposed to be interaction we're supposed to have fellowship amen 
That's what the church is. Do you know that God wants us to do more than just know about Him? He wants to do more than just uh, he, he wants us to do more than just learn about Him. He wants us, friends, to interact with Him, to know Him. It's a powerful invitation. Oh God, you are my God. He wants us to know Him in an intimate way. So He doesn't want the depths of our knowledge of Him to come from cute Christian means on Facebook. Come on. David knows the Lord, and he, here's what he says in Psalm 34, 8. He says, oh, taste and see. He gives this invitation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Has anybody tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Our God is a God who is near. There's this deist popular view of God. It's called the deistic view of God. And it is this idea that, yes, God created the world, but that now he's kind of uninvolved. He's sitting up maybe on a cloud somewhere or in heaven somewhere, and he's just uninvolved in the earth. No, he is God with us. Amen? He is a God who's near. And here's the great news. This nearness to God that we're invited into is this we call this the Christian experience. It's just it's not just for a prophet, it's not just for the high priest, it's not just for some pastor, some spiritual elitist. No, it's for all who are in Christ. Every one of you who are in Christ are invited to draw near to God. 1 Peter 3.18, watch this. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Why? That he might what? Bring us to God. Bring us near to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.16, let us do what? Say it. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We have a God who is near. One more, Hebrews 7, 25. He is able to save forever those who do what? Draw near to God through Him. What is it that undergirds our prayer lives, friends? It is our personal relationship with God through Christ. It's having more than a knowledge of God. If all you have is a cognitive understanding of God, you will not be a prayer warrior. But if you savor Him, if you know Him, if you have an intimate relationship with Him, you will be a man or woman of prayer. Hallelujah. And once you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you tend to want to be near to Him. You understand what I'm saying? This is how it fuels your prayer life. Because once you've done what David bids you to do, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You tend to want him. I just believe today, maybe you don't know the Lord. I believe, I just invite you to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I believe when we present Jesus for who he really is, people tend to want him. Amen? Because of David's personal relationship with God, we find that he worships him and he savors him and he prays through all seasons, both in fainting and feasting. So let's look at these seasons in David's life. If you're taking notes, number two, I want to look at David's fainting. We looked at David's foundation. Let's look at his fainting. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David is in quite literally a desert place, right? His strength is weak. But this is what David does in his weakest moment. When his son, his own son's betrayed him. He seeks the Lord. 
God wants us to draw near to Him. Some of you are waiting on the Lord to make the first move. He's already made it, actually. We, we love Him because He first loved us. Amen? But now He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. God wants us to draw near to Him. How many of you have ever seen a child who's frightened or hurt? And What does that child do? It doesn't wait for mom and dad. He or she doesn't wait for mom or dad to run to, to her, right? What's she do? She runs to mom or dad. That's what God wants us to do, to run to him, to seek him. Let me ask you, where have you run during this pandemic? When things don't go well in your life, where do you run to? Is it the bottle? Is it to get on the telephone? Is it a certain relationship? The first place we ought to run is to the Lord. Amen? Psalm 121 he says, I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Verse 2. My help what? Comes from the bottle? Where does it come from, friend? My help comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Who made heaven and earth. Why is it important to tag that little last part on there? The one who made heaven and earth. That reminds us that your little problem is not too much for the Lord. He's the creator of everything. My help comes from the creator of all things. Hebrews eleven sixteen. without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who draws near to God must believe that he exists. And watch this. And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. This is a season of fainting. What are you longing for? Who are you running to? I hope it's the Lord. How does David seek God in this season? Number one, he remembers God's faithfulness in the past. Sometimes you've got to preach yourself happy and remember God's faithfulness in the past. Amen? I want you to notice the past tense language that David uses. He says, I have looked, up, uh, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. David, in this season, thinks back to his experience with God in the past where it seems that he must have been melted by God's presence. How many have ever had an experience like that? And so the enemy would love for us right now to doubt God in, in, in times like this. But instead of doubting, we need to go back and say, Oh, I know in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. We need to go back to the Word and back to the times that we've experienced God and we have felt His nearness in verse 6, he says, I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. David remembers the Lord's faithfulness, and it does something now. It fuels his praise in the present. In the midst of what he's going through, the terrible time that he's going through, he doesn't just remember God in the past, but he praises him through the storm, in the desert, in the present. What a privilege it was today. How many just sense God's presence during worship today? It's awesome in a time like this to be able to still praise Him. Amen? There's nothing wrong with mourning and lamenting in a time like this at all. That's part of the Christian life. But even when you're down, even when you're mourning, even when you're lamenting, He's still worthy of praise, is He not? He is still worthy of praise. Verse 3, because your love is better than life. When David feels that his life is over, he says, oh, it doesn't matter. Your love is better than life, so I'm going to praise you anyways. My lips will praise you. 
He says this, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. I was hoping you'd praise there so I could get a, <laughs> somebody clap your hands, do something so I can get a drink. You are high-fiving your neighbor going, hey, he must be almost finished because he's not going to last much longer. David considers, that's not funny. David considers the supreme value of God and his love. And he begins to think, though my situation looks bleak, God still loves me. Even though I'm, I might feel distant from him, his love is steadfast. I know David thinks he has not forgotten me. I want you to know right now, friends, God has not forgotten you. His love is steadfast. David thinks even if it costs me my life, I have nothing to complain about because his love is better than life. Paul echoes this in Philippians 1, 21, to live is Christ and what die is gain. This understanding overflows naturally and then into praise. And he says, I will bless you as long as I live. You want to draw near to God in a tough season like this? Remember what he's done for you in the past and just begin to praise him in the present. In the present. Just begin to think about his steadfast love, about how good he is, how powerful he is, how faithful he is to his elect. And let that begin to overflow into praise. May we refuse to bellyache this morning, but may we in faith stand firm and bless the Lord at all times. May his praise continually be in our mouth. Anybody hear me? Anybody can praise him on the mountaintop. But there's power when we praise him in the valley. Amen? This is what Paul and Silas did at midnight in the prison cell. Remember Acts 16? They're beaten and stripped and thrown in the innermost prison, and they just begin to praise him at the midnight hour when everybody else probably would have complained and grumbled. They just begin praising God, and then an earthquake comes, and the whole prison gets loose. That's what happens when you praise in the midst of a storm. We must trust the Lord in difficult times and draw near to him. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. How are you doing with that? Come on. Some of you look at your neighbor because you know they're convicted right now. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We need to pray. When you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you have no reason to be anxious in difficult seasons. Pray. When you don't feel his nearness, pray. Remember the ways that he's moved before. Remember his steadfast love. Begin to praise his name even today. So David experienced several seasons of fainting in life, and he continued to praise the Lord. He continued to pray and to seek the Lord. But then he also experienced seasons of feasting. And David's recalling this as well in verse 2. It's my final point. David's feasting. He says, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your glory. Jump down to verse 7. He says, you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. I will sing for joy. David recalls the times in which he feasted in the presence of the Lord. When he felt the nearness of the Lord, David savors those times. Have you been there? Have you been there where you can just savor the presence of the Lord? He thinks back, and this is so interesting. He, he looks a, ahead in great anticipation, 
He says, I'm, I'm going to experience this again. And this is what's interesting. We can sense God's presence anywhere. He's omnipresent, right? But what does David do? Notice where he goes in his mind. He thinks back to corporate worship. I remember your sanctuary where he experienced the presence of God with the people of God. God is omnipresent. He's all places at all times. But how many know that he moves in a special way when we gather together like this? We are meant to be involved weekly in corporate worship. Is that true? And there is a special manifest presence that you don't get at home that you do experience when you come together with the saints. You know, there's been a fear amongst many pastors that people who have just stayed at home and kind of watched for various reasons, and we're certainly not criticizing you for doing that if you feel unsafe coming or whatever, but there's this fear that they're just not going to come back, that they're going to get comfortable. That's, that's a tragedy. If you're watching online and that's you, I want to say, don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable because you need to be here. There's something that happens when we come together. I want to encourage you to be faithful to your attendance in church. Another great resolution. Say, hey, I'm going to be faithful to Sunday church attendance this year. Verse 5, my soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Where's uh, Zach at? I think I'm about out of gas here, so you're going to have to do a dance or something. You haven't lived till you've seen Zach dance. True? See? My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. David describes what this season of feasting is like when things are going well in your life, and you sense the presence of God, and you feel His nearness. It's not a desert season. Thank God for those seasons as well, right? And that's coming again. Amen? He says, that season, Lord, when you felt so near, it's like enjoying fat and rich food. Just think of whatever meal that you're fave. I mean, if it's a big steak dinner, if you're vegetarian and it's a big plate of broccoli, whatever it is that floats your boat, you just say, listen, and that's what it's like being in the presence of God feeling his nearness it's, it's like this feasting experience here's what this shows us God is meant to be enjoyed we ought to be the happiest people on the planet the most hopeful people on the planet God is meant to be enjoyed we are to enjoy his benefits and his gifts but ultimately don't miss this we're to enjoy Him. You know, when I first met my wife, it didn't matter, and it's still like this today. It doesn't matter what we do, whether we're going to a nice restaurant or a, to a movie, or we're just sitting at home. I'm going to get brownie points for this, but it's enough just to be with her. I enjoy being with her because I love her. So we can just be sitting home, each of us, the other night, we just both had a book in our hands and we're just together in the same room. I love her. And it's enough just to be with her. 
I enjoy her. Do you know that God is meant to be enjoyed in an infinitely greater way than that marriage relationship? He wants us to savor Him, to know Him, to enjoy Him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 63 is largely about experiencing God. And again, this is what will fuel our prayer lives. I want to read you, I'm going to close with this, a quote, and I've got it on the screen. I've read it before. This just fascinates me, this quote from the 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon. He says this, he says, some of us know at times, he's talking about the Christian experience. Some of us know at times what it is to be almost too happy to live. (laughs) Is this the same religion that you're a part of? (laughs) That's not funny. Uh, (laughs) The love of God has been so overpoweringly experienced by us on some occasions that we've almost had to ask for a stop of the delight because we could not endure anymore. If the glory had not been veiled a little, we would have died of happiness. Charles Spurgeon. Well, he lived in a time that was not quite as comfortable as what we have it today. When at times all he had was the presence of God. And again, let me go back to what I was saying in the beginning. We have been so distracted by stuff that we have missed the utter bliss that we are supposed to experience in God. What are you hungry for in 2021? Hunger and thirst for righteousness that you might be filled. Hunger and thirst for the Lord, for the kingdom of God. Money, business ventures will not satisfy your heart. Nothing wrong with being in business. I want you to be in business and tithe well. But it won't satisfy your heart. Politics, doesn't matter who's in office, who's not, will not satisfy your heart. Have you noticed? It's not meant to. Jesus Christ is the only one who will satisfy your hearts. And so may you savor him and may that fuel your prayer life as you seek him in 2021. If you don't know the Lord, I beg you, taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.